I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined, I would say as ever, but it's been a little bit hit and miss recently. But Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really, really much better for hearing your voice. Uh, and Bradley talks back again. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. You're right, mate. Yeah, all good, all good. I'm just currently uh, Leicester are two and a half against Nottingham Forest. I know Jason uh, doesn't like football, and uh, me and uh, me. It's and not you like just... I don't like it. I just couldn't give a shit. Well, you did. You did say the words. I can't believe you're talking about that shit sport. So I'm assuming by that you don't like it. I used to. I used to love it, mate. But it changed mm. a lot, didn't it? The I'm money. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's got to be a bit disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. How no, you it. can watch that? How you can watch that and then slag off live? I, I've got no idea. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I've, we better not get into. Definitely not want to get into live discussions on this podcast anymore. Um, it's too early for that. It's definitely too early for that. Although Peter Uline will win this week, just for uh, just for the yeah. record. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, no, all no. Oppo- we're all opposed. We, you know, we're all opposed everything. Oh shit! There's a thirty-three to one good thing. Oh well, never. <laughs> exactly. That. 66 to one actually in uh, PT yeah, Dunn's yeah, case. Yeah. It'll, it'll all happen until we until we need to, we can make financial states out that we could give us. <laughs> there we all go. Free England. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. So we are um, <laughs> coming in off the back of the Dunhill Links and the Sanderson Farms Championship. Dunhill Links, uh, Ryan Fox won Brad. Um, not one that we covered uh, last well, we week. Gave him a, we did give him a mention, though. Yeah, didn't we? We, 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 we sort of that, said that he should be good here and, and hasn't been. Into the, yeah, well, obviously, yeah, he should be good here. And he's creeping into the sort of range where it's like, well, it's like 60, 70 to 1 again. It's like he's yeah. got to back him sort of thing. But he was he had injury problems, um, I, like, apparently. Didn't have his and clubs. And also, did he? he didn't play with his clubs last week. No. So he's just, uh, it was just so much up in the air about whether he'd go well or not and uh, well we did yeah. <laughs> and he played brilliantly we, it was weird because it felt like we had people there and thereabouts and just didn't quite get mm. you know, quite, quite get going like Hatton left it too late yeah. um, Hoygaard was there and kind of didn't finish and it just felt like one of those weeks didn't it? It certainly did mate yeah um, Jason did you see any of the Dunhill links still? Yeah, yeah I saw quite a bit of it yeah, yeah Rory again yeah. just can't get it I think just Unbelievable, isn't it? We yeah. just cannot get it done. Um, Ryan Fox or Ben made a great point about the Shane Warne um, impetus. You know, we never know what that can do. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was a great point. You know, there, there was um, Piers Morgan and three or four other, you know, old gits um, toasting toasting Shane Warne and stuff like that at the beginning. So there's clearly massive um, feeling about it. And, and, you know, Fox did have that, that little bit of impetus there. And you know, it, it's, it, he's the type of bloke. To be honest, it's very Lucas Beargard, isn't he? Um, he's that type of player. I think it made perfect sense. Um, I think we probably put him up at 150 to one when he was playing crap. And this, you know, the last 12 months, he's just a different animal now, isn't he? So um, yeah, mm-hmm. fair play. Um, obviously, we can't let that go without Richard Mansell failing once again. <laughs> get it done. I I tried to precursor the, the round by sort of saying that, like, you know, as much as kind of slag him off like he hasn't been there and you know we'll, we'll learn something today and and all day throughout the commentary they were sort of saying oh he'll learn something from this and he'll learn something he'll, he'll yeah. take things from this and i said well what's he going to learn that he can't do it um, well very very laurie canter-esque wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah the thing the thing the thing that really got me was like i i when he was 11 to 2 i can't remember when after the first round 
I think it was. I, I actually tweeted like, I can't believe it. Wow. And then I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, sugar, you know, there mm. he is going odds on. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, mm. what? You know, it's 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 very it, it would it will do it. It's going to be you know he it, it will do it because he's no, too nothing. good a player to do it. But my God, I mean, he's going to have to get up on the line, isn't he, or something like that? He'll do it like Armitage and Gavin's. You know, he'll just post a score yeah, from behind, yeah. and that's how they'll get it done. Whether he'll build on from that if when it as and when he does do it and becomes a better front runner, but I don't know. That was it wasn't wasn't good. Seeing him fall away last week it was, uh, made it a much interesting affair, obviously, mm. but uh, was it nice to see? I think I think I, the I, thing for me was like he, yes, he had the double bogey on what the second hole, or whatever. But like after that, it was just like just a constant like never had a chance to birdie type thing. It was just it just he just looked so like. Mm. bereft of any quality well, he was relying on a hot putter as well a lot of the time wasn't yeah. he in the first three rounds mm. um, and then it just yeah ball striking got off even worse on the fourth round and then the putter got cold so uh. well sorry Go on, mate. did you see um, uh, Bob Bob's card yesterday no don't think you I see, did you no. talk about disappointing people I, I, you know for me he's he's very disappointing. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, I was I was watching over the weekend, watching him very closely. He was my number one pick um, by quite a long way. And yeah, I mean, there he was going at double figures. He was single figures in the book, and he was just, you know, he, he on the he made a mistake at the par five. He drove into, I mean, why? I can't. Fourteenth, fifteenth, can't remember now. On Saturday, uh, pins right over on the left hand side. And he's tried to attack it on the left-hand side and lost, basically lost the ball, had no vision or had no chance from where it lie anyway. And then he followed it up with another bogey. And, and it's the same sort of course management mistake he made at uh, St George's on the final par five. And I was just thinking about that over the, over the, like, the weekend and, and thinking, we always say they can all shoot 64. And it is a pure game management um, difference between them. Um, Rather than rather than the talent or the way they hit the ball, it's it's such such fine lines. But you know, you talk about someone like Mansell, who's obviously a non-winner, and then you talk about Bob, who I think is is going to be over one day. Um, and it just it's all the way through, isn't it? You can even say Rory McIlroy. To be fair, sometimes you know the amount of tournaments that Rory should have won. Um, you know, even this year, uh, it's just so so. Hilarious. No fine lines, but his his card was hilarious. It was uh, seventeen pars and one birdie on the par five. <laughs> best uh... best talk of the week, by the way, was the uh, Volunteers of America. If anybody saw the LPGA, absolutely brilliant. Mm, that was excellent. I did see that finish. Uh, that eagle from Shu Yu Lin just made it really interesting for Charlie Hall coming down the last. And, and she has failed in the past when put under pressure. She has, but she looked um, relentless. She was incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was a brilliant event. Absolutely thoughtless, really. She deserved it. Yeah, it was nice to see her get back on the board. It was well celebrated. Um, it, it made me laugh, actually. There was like, I can't remember exactly who it is, Josh Antman and, and, and uh, whoever it was else in the studio. Yeah, and, there was also, that, and they were saying about how they were obviously cheering on Charlie Hull. So that's great. Then they were sort of talking about... Um, I was sort of listening to like golf commentary yesterday and then like NFL commentary in the evening. I was like, the actual depth of like knowledge between like broadcasters in like Sky Sports Golf and like Fox Sports NFL is just ridiculous. Like they have to know about like 
every single player on a 53-man roster of every single team, and they seem to know it all. Whereas, like, comes to like Sky Sports, they just talk shit. Like, you do, yeah. They were saying like all day. They were saying like, oh, Rachel Mansell needs to get to X hole and have something to eat or a drink, and that that'll settle him down. It's a great time to have something to eat, something to get. Just, like, just, just shut up. Like, it doesn't matter whether you gave like. Richard Mansell, a Powerade, or a line of Coke. He's not gonna. It's not gonna yeah. change the way he performs. <laughs> not like, recommended, you. Not it? not yeah. recommended. Um, you know, there is the explicit warning on here, but like, the the the, the thing was like, it's not gonna make a difference. Like he he's nervous. You you shove a donut and a coffee down him. He's not gonna just suddenly become you know, you know, relentless. You know, the, thing, <coughs> the thing is, Tom. Right, you've got. You know, you've got your laptop, right? Mm-hmm. And you can do in-running stats. You can do every round stats. We, you know, we pull them up, yeah. Mm. But if I was being paid, whatever I'm being paid, I would have every single tab open. And when you're talking, you can talk. I mean, you know, um, uh, Matt uh, strokes going to eat a green. Yeah. He shoves stuff up on. You know, I know he's he's, he's taped, but he does it in a really readable format. Yeah. Uh, as we're going along, what how the holes are playing really not difficult to, to find that information out when right. that's all you've got to do in life um and it's disgusting yeah yeah it's disgusting some, about Pete Ellis, that's what i say it's sometimes like even yesterday like you could even because i don't mind andrew colter i actually think he's all right and like he was talking yesterday and then like i can't remember it was it might have been you and murray it was like oh um isn't that a fantastic name for a dog arnie and colter was like well, yeah i suppose so like <laughs> And like you could tell, he just didn't want to like carry on. He was like, "Yeah, but well, it's obviously if you're a golfer and it's named after Arnold Palmer, that's pretty good." And it was Colt. I was like, "Yeah, I guess so." Like, it, it's utterly ridiculous. Like, I understand it's a long broadcast, right? But there's so mm. much to there's so much to talk about the nuances of each player. Like, we managed to it's... talk an hour and a half about a tournament every week. Like, they're getting fed information to them. They're, like, even the stats they do talk about are just given to them, so it's not that they even have to do their own research. Like. Yeah. It it really is appalling. Like yeah. it it seems to, be, and that's why you hear so much about like Rory and 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 that's why X amount are on the team. I get that like they're they're the main sort of attractions to the broadcast and that sort of stuff. But like it's almost like a I don't want to show that the lack of knowledge. And to me, I just do better. Like it can be so much better than that, and it just isn't. So um, there's a little gripe out of the way. But good performance yesterday. I thought. I was quite impressed by Fox, obviously. He's impressed by Callum Shinkwin. Um, Hatton obviously done what he does on, on the old course. Uh, Noren was really Noren's, disappointing. Yeah, I was going to say, should have won it, really. Like, poor for Alex Noren. Like, we think about Alex Noren as this kind of in-between where he's like really good on the DP World Tour and not quite at it on the PGA Tour and majors. But he's not even... You know, doing it. I think it's, he's struggling with the split in time and that sort of stuff. But like, there was some horrendous like the stance of some of his putts, and that was awful. Mm. Like the way he stood over it was just weird. Um, Hoygaard, I thought was a little bit disappointing yesterday. Uh, missed that short one on twelve, and then that kind of took the wind out of his sails. But you know, it's a tough one, isn't it? Tough, tough yeah. to... No, I, I do think Norin should have easily have won that like yesterday. Like should have done that. He had three. Maple putts like within three feet. I think three, three, four feet. Yeah. And he missed them. Oh, it's just um, shocking, really. Uh, especially for someone of his caliber. You know, you expect him to get the job done when he's in that position at this level. Um, but yeah, didn't get it done. 
And then, then the reason I was going into that rant about the commentary team before I got off kilter with the with the drug use, Richard Manson, and all that sort of stuff, like the the main point I was going to make, they then said, like, because they were saying about how Ryan Fox would, you know, had a chip on his soldier because he didn't win, uh, didn't get a place in the President's Cup team, and that sort of stuff. And I thought that's you know that's a pretty valid comment. Like he mm-hmm. he probably had a stake in there, right? Then they said the same thing about um, Mackenzie Hughes. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, why on earth? When has Mackenzie Hughes ever been under consideration for the Prince? He could probably win three times in a season if he didn't qualify, like, by points. He, yeah. he wouldn't be picked. Like, he's just not that type of player. Like, it, it's, you know... It's not. It, you know, it was weird, weird comments yesterday. So, um, yeah, rants out of the way, I suppose. Nice to see, um, you know, Mackenzie get another win. Sepp Stracker goes Short to play game maestro. He was, yeah. I mean... Ball striking wasn't exactly there, was it? Um, mm. Garrett Higo and Dean Burmester, but you know, were impressive. Uh, the two South Africans, mm-hmm. Emiliano Grillo just shit the bed like Emiliano Grillo only can. Um, so yeah, overall, is a you know, Thomas Dietrich's doing what Thomas Dietrich does on the DP World Tour now on yeah. the PJ Tour. So as soon as I saw him touch the front, I was like, well, I wonder how <laughs> that's gonna go. It, I hate to see it, but it's just so obvious. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd be really. You know, glad to see him win on either tour, really. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a quality player, but it's just... Uh, he's a really likeable guy as well. I yeah. really do want to see him win at some point. I think that kind of makes you appreciate... Like, you know when you see someone that wins like three or four times and you say, oh, they should win more? Like, it kind of makes you appreciate them players. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a Peters, and we sort of say, oh, he should probably win a bit more. Or like a, um, you know, I don't know, Shane Lowry or something, I oh, should probably win a little bit more. Like... Mm-hmm. They're still winning five, six times, and you're like, what? You know, what? What are Thomas Dietrich's doing in this world? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, tough one, but we shall see. Um, I'll tell get... you what, just Go very on. quickly before we go, I'll tell you what Dietrich and Peters make you do. They make you not want to complain at a restaurant if you're in Belgium. That's what they make you not want to do, because <laughs> I think you'll just get frog marched out, spat at. <laughs> I, thought, I thought my comment was going to be the strangest one of the night with the with the drug use for Richard Mansell. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would. Yeah, I don't think I'd complain. Um, I just have something really boring, so that you know, it, it couldn't be yes, complained about a burger true. or something. And then that's you classic. can't moan, can you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just uh, just, uh, just have it medium rare, please. And, and if it comes out medium and burnt, you're absolutely delighted. Um, anyway, on to this week's events. So we're going to the Open de España, um, which is in Madrid um, again. After you know two years of being there, 2019 and 2021, obviously goes back to kind of 2005 and 2008 as well. I think it was, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, what do we make of this course, Jason, and, and kind of what do you put into stock when you're looking at a winner here? I, I really like this event, but I, mm. I, I think it was quite hard just because I think there's an awful lot of shorty players that you just wouldn't price at the price that they are. Mm. Um, no, I mean it's very simple. You look at it, seven thousand one hundred. Um, I think that you can potentially overpower it. You Julian Gurrier, Will Bessling, Will Coe last year, uh, Lucas Bergard. Um, obviously, you've got mixed up um, Adrian Noose as well, um, all up there. And then you've obviously got repeat form as well. Um, it te- blinking Spaniards, they uh, they love it, don't they? Hmm. Uh, they love their home event. You know, they absolutely rise to the occasion. The problem is the bookmakers take that into account. Um, I mean, you only have to look at. Um, I mean, Ryan was obviously on a hat-trick um, last year and failed dismally, um, but there were mitigating circumstances. But, you know, Cabrera, Bayo, and I knew something. They were top five in 19. They were top five in... Uh, well, they disputed 
disputed it last year, sort of who, who which one um, sort of could uh, lose it the worst, if you like, <laughs> and therefore win. Um, that was last year, which is fair enough. It's in front of their home crowd. Um, I thought Cabrera Bayo um, should have won last year. He had the experience, um, but he, he sort of needed a little bit of fake help there. He rode his um, luck a bit, didn't he? He did. I thought they were both deserved to get beat, actually, to be honest with you, um, the way they played coming home. But, yeah, you know, Spaniards do well, repeat form there. You can overpower it. Um, I just, it was, it, I thought it was difficult because I thought the obvious ones are actually, you know, they're, they're priced as being obvious. So it was a hard one for me, but that's, that's the course, and there we are. Yeah, I, I thought it was a difficult one to price up as well. Um, you know, Desert Trump. form helps. Desert form, I thought, was, was, the, was the key to it. I, I, you know, sorry, Arnus Cabrera Bayo, Gurrier, for example, yep. all with the man and, and, and that bamboo uh, form and that type of form. Long tracks, check tracks, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, Brad, any further comments on sort of the course mm. and what you expect him? No, that's exactly that. I think um, ball striking, you've got to be hitting the ball well putting it well as well. I mean, I know Arnaus last year, I was looking at him. He um, got a really hot putter and uh, that's the reason why he was there come the end of the week. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a great track. Um, I'm looking forward to it again this week. Yeah, I mean, I sort of read um, a shout-out to, to Matt Cooper who uh, has been on here a couple of times in the past. He sort of talked about the altitude at this golf course and how that can be important to sort of South African players that, you know, regularly do well in Johannesburg and, you know, like Cran, um, Sierra and stuff like that as well. So altitude will probably be a little bit of a buzzword that you'll hear from me uh, throughout this podcast. But, yeah, it, it does have some merit when you dig, uh, dig into it and it has played into my selections somewhat. Um, but let's, let's look at the, the market. You have John Rahm at 5-2, to two, best price, generally just a 9-4, 2-1 shot. Tommy Fleetwood, 8-1. to one. Adrian House 18, 20 to 1 still just about. Uh, Eddie Pepper 28 to 1, Minwoo Lee 33 to 1, Yannick Paul 33 to 1. And we'll leave it there. Um, Brad, I'll come to you first because you do definitively have a selection uh, yep. in this area uh, as to why you're going for Adrian House. I know we sort of went back and forth on this this morning. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I took him at the 20, I just took him win only. Um, yeah. I mean, Ram could easily win this in a similar fashion to which he did in 2019 uh, by five strokes. He's quite clearly the best player in the field. And uh, as Jason alluded to, he loves performing in his homeland. Um, but, you know, it's five to two. That's not the kind of price. Like, I don't, we don't like to get involved with prices that short. Um, so I'm happy to take him on there. And uh, Fleetwood showed glimpses. Um, but yeah, just have doubts about him recently. So Arnaus third in the betting. I think the best you can get him 20 to 1 now. Um, and he's like Rahm, he loves to perform and raise his game at home. Came close to winning this event last year, probably should have won, uh, but fell short to Rafa in the playoff, who, yeah, as I said earlier, rode his luck a bit. Um, his stats and recent form are not exactly eye catching, um, like they weren't even before he went into this event last year. Um, but he did finish 22nd last week. Uh, had three rounds in the 60s, so at least he's scoring well. That is predominantly down to the flat stick. Um, and it was, in fact, his flat, flat stick. Um, nearly won it for him last year. He ranked first in putting. I'm um, just hoping he can carry that over from Scotland. Um, as well as that runner-up finish, he also has a fourth-best finish here. Uh, has a win under his belt now. Uh, one on home soil. Uh, that was at the Catalunya Championship. Beat Becker in a playoff. Um, and his 
just his record in Spain is incredible. Ten starts in Spain at this level. He has two top tens, two top fives, two runner-up finishes, and now a win. Um, so, yeah, he clearly raised his game. Sort of most comfortable playing at home. And, yeah, I'm just hoping he can show up again this week. Yeah, I think it was important, really, that he got that win on home soil uh, after sort of the numbers that you kind of read out there. Um, and especially playing in, in front of this, like the, you know, the Open de España, right? Like it's a it's a big event for them. And, you know, as you said, he was fourth in his debut. He's actually the 36-hole leader. Um, and then, and then you know, had a chance to win last year as well. So he's got great contending form at the golf course. Um, did he just have that one round of 80 last week that basically shot him out of it completely? Mm-hmm. But everyone kind of struggled. Everyone kind of shot Friday. a shitty one last week, yeah. Um, so the people that didn't, you know, were really gaining quite a lot of strokes. I mean, the sort of best sort of score was, I think, Richard Mansell at 68. So, um, you know, that's... that's decently better than the 80 that obviously are now shot but different courses different you know different things like that and um you know he shot 66 68 over the weekend open with a 67 so he looks in decent nick um i couldn't at 18 to 1 just because i've seen our now try and win you know predominantly here last year but like it it's a tough one because if you, if you do like our now and you do like his chances which i did earlier you probably should take him based on the fact mm-hmm. that he's like you know what was he basically six times the price of John Rahm. Um, I, I can't see anyone taking that John Rahm price. Like, that's just, you know, I'm sure some people would double it up or whatever, but I'd much rather take the three times the price on Patrick Cantlay and the Shriners than I would John Rahm here. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 there's no negatives really about Adrian now, apart from the fact, like you say, he's doing it with the flat stick. But yeah. I like the fact that he's doing it with the flat stick and we know he can come back and have a good ball striking week. Like... Mm-hmm. It's it's possible, and and also I don't know how much stats will come into this event. Like it's at altitude, it's you know got you know, different types of greens here, like short, small greens. Like it, it's just a unique event in itself. Chase, mm-hmm. anyone in this kind of top range for you? Um, Mantle's out, isn't he now? Yeah, like, obviously I'll put him up. Um, Mimu Lee was of interest, but again, I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment. Um, Yannick Paul. I, did want to back I, I think Brad's with Yannick Paul so he'll talk more about it yeah he's he's I mean I just if you said to me what price was Yannick Paul I wouldn't have said 31 that, that's my problem um but he you know he's playing fantastic then last week you know yeah he missed the cut but it is 68 67 sort of bookended the horrendous Friday mm. which everybody had um yeah I mean it, it, it is based on that um you know take that away if he makes the cut last week, you know, um, he's absolutely, you know, he's absolutely flying. I mean, I know you put him up at bigger prices. Yeah. Um, like Spain, uh, you know, challenge tour, two top tens, including a runner-up. I just, oh, 31, I just, I can't do it. I know he's playing well, but I just can't. Well, the, the, the Brad will is, tell me why, too. Yeah. Before you, you come on to it, Brad, like, you just look at, like, tour tips over the last sort of 15 weeks for the current form, and he is fourth in that um john rahm's ahead of him tommy fleetwood who if you'd have asked me whether he was second best in the field in terms of form i probably would have said no obviously a lot of it's based on that open scottish open back-to-back uh finishes um i've not been impressed with tommy fleetwood for a decently long period of time i Mm. think eddie pepperell has been impressive and will continue to be impressive um and he was kind of in my thinking but i definitely think yannick paul's reasonable um you know, I was kind of putting him up like 80 to 1 and stuff like that, but that's when we sort of didn't know too much about him. Like, I think he's had a decent amount of time on tour now where he's he's looked pretty yeah. good. And when he's gone back to Corn Ferry, he's played well as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, Brad, Brad will tell you why to back in. Yeah. No, no, honestly, you guys have literally said most of it. Like, obviously, as Jason said, it was just that terrible Friday, that 81. I mean, that caught my eye. And obviously, since coming back from the Corn Ferry Tour, um, played the, the Italian and French Open, finished 27th and 8th. And there was a massive improvement with his irons in France. He ran sixth in approach, so to the top 10 finish. So, it just to hit him well again in Scotland, just scramble poorly. Um, and... I just feel like he's he's come into the DP World Tour this year. It's his first year uh, at this level, and he's nearly he's nearly won in Belgium. Okay, it was two shots in the end, um, fell short of horse Horsefield, um, and he's already had a tenth in Spain, um, and he loves Spain as Jason said, on the Challenge Tour um, has a runners up finish and an eighth finish. Um, so yeah, he's just a player that is showing a lot of promise at the moment. He's on he's on the rise, and yeah, it could be a good spot for him to break through. Um, just banking on that, really. I did get him 40s, but I think 33s is just fine. I, I think it's just fine for me. And it does seem a little bit short, but you've got to take into account how well he is playing at the moment. Right, yeah. so it is justified. I feel. Yeah, I think so. Um, this range now kind of really felt. Well, definitely starting here anyway. But like it, it felt like a, there was probably four or five that I could have chosen here um, and just sort of really pinned my hopes to one. So I considered Mikko Korhonen. I think he's been pretty solid for a long period of time. I thought Nicholas Norgar Muller looked pretty good for, for decent periods yesterday whilst in contention. I know he obviously made that late double, but um, if we're talking about sort of overpowering the golf course, I think he's the type of person that could obviously do that. Um, but in the end, I, I sort of opted for Thriston Lawrence and... It's, it's based on sort of what we've read about or what I'd read about what Matt Cooper said last year. Like, Southampton's done really well on this golf course. Charles Schwartz was one here. Richard Sterney's one here. Um, Tristan Lawrence is, is obviously at least as good as Richard Sterney. I don't know if he's quite on Charles Schwartz's level, but, you know, somewhere in between that, I think he is. Um, the, the the altitude thing is, is pretty pretty big thing when you look at Tristan Lawrence. Like, he's won twice on DP World Tour. One of them's at Joburg Open, obviously was shortened, mm-hmm. but he also won on Crown Cercier, which he beat... Uh, Matt Wallace in that playoff. Look at the fact he's already got a win, a second and a third on the DP World Tour in 2022. He's got another three top tens as well. It, it just looks really, really good for Tristan Lawrence. Like he missed the cut last week, but he was 20th at the French Open, eighth in approach, sixth in tee to green. I'm pretty happy just to forgive that missed cut. Like I think it just happens on courses like that sometimes, mm-hmm. disrupted weather, etc., whatever. Um, I think with his tees green prowess and you know his ability of playing at altitude, which could or could not be a thing this week, um, I really like Tristan Lawrence. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that at all, Jase? Uh, no, I mean, he's, he's one that was talked about for many years when he mm. was an amateur and just gone on the, just, you know, gone on the Sunshine Tour. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a cracking player and, um, you know, South African youngsters are, are well worth following uh, for a while. There are two that I'm following at the moment. Um Oh yeah, I can't complain with that selection. To be honest with you. Yeah, I just. I wish should... I could, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the same if you didn't. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, you just look and like Wilco Nine became sixth last year, um, and then in 2019, Harding, Lombard were both uh, seventh place winners as well. Aiken was 23rd. Mm. Um, you know, you've got that. You've you've got the fact that those two have won it on the course already. I think they uh, they play a, they play a lot of. Um golf at altitude like in their development on the sunshine tour yeah you know, so I, that definitely plays into it 
well, I've kind of read like basically Johannesburg and, and all that, like anywhere like around there is based at altitude, mm-hmm. Johannesburg, Pretoria, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. they basically grow up playing like that. And, and these sort of things can make a massive difference, right? Like they're used to taking Definitely. yardage off and, and reacting to it. They're used to playing in, you know, thin air and all that sort of stuff. Like it can be a huge, uh, you know, influential thing. And when you look at where his results have been and his two wins have been, it could be coincidental. It could be the fact that he likes playing altitude. So I'm willing mm-hmm. to find out a 40 to one. There's nothing to say he shouldn't be good here, um, and there's quite a lot to say that he should. So I will take Tristan Lawrence as my main pick at 40 to one. If I was having one pick this week, it would be him. So that's how mm-hmm. um, strongly I feel about him. Um, Jason, who's who's the first person that's going to end up on your card? Uh, it's Henny Duplessis. Hmm. Um, I, again, this is not not with any particular confidence. Yeah. Um, when I was doing it, I. I, I personally would have had him a bit shorter than 55 to 1 um yeah i mean at the end that was based on the fact he follows the ball an absolute mile um you know that that was the starting point to be honest with you yeah um so his total driving everything about him is to do with um is to do with distance um and the fact that um as we agreed earlier on on our chat um he just loves spain he turns up he turns up in spain um We've already alluded to the fact that South Africans could do well here. Like you said, Schwartz and Aitken have both won here. I think he's same as Aitken, really. Obviously, no, not nowhere near as good as Schwartz. So. Sterny. Um, but he's, yeah, sorry, Sterny. Yeah, as well. But his best, as I say, his best stuff on this tour is all about Spain. Yeah. You know, third at the uh, ISP hander. That was behind two Spanish. It was um, behind uh, Adrian Nuss at uh, Catalonia. Um, it's where he turns up. He hits the ball. I think he can potentially overpower this this course, um, and he, he there he was. He appeared on there. I've done four lists. Um, top of the top of the list actually. Obviously, he doesn't play, and we'll talk about him soon. Was Dean Burmester? Hmm. Um, oh, I'd love to have backed here, uh, but I can't. No. So Duplissy, not with any particular confidence, but I want to be on him because I think he is a little bit too big for his skill. So um, I know he's out of form, but the, you know these courses tend to tend to bring up. Uh, specialist and he hasn't appeared here but you know he loves the gap so there we are interestingly like you talk about his obviously his form's gone a bit and you know he, he did flirt with live for a little while and, and play there didn't he but you know when he returned to south africa he finished second and when he played at crans he finished 16th right. so if there is mm-hmm. something in that sort of altitude thing again then you know even even the 60th at france where he was 34th at the halfway that there's something there to suggest that he is still playing some decent golf um think he's getting a little bit forgotten about because of the fact that he went over and, and played those early events and whatever but i think we've all agreed that different players have different motivations and different you know you, you respect different people for doing it and i think he fell mm-hmm. under that category as well so um yeah it'd be interesting to see how he does like i, I certainly think he fits the profile i mean if, if we think Frister lawrence does then i think you know henny duplessis does so um you know i think if we can put them in I similar mean, lawrence has got immensely more um improvement Blissey has, um, but like you know, like we say, you know, you had like Cabrera Bayo plodding along last year, you know, coming back to form, coming here. So that that was that was my thought. You know, if it put him at forty-five to one, I'd have gone. Yeah, that's fair as well. So that's it. Yeah, um, and then Brad, just in the in the same area is your final section is Marcus Hellekilder, who um, Jason's brought up Duplessis a couple of times. You've certainly brought up Hellekilder, you know, a decent amount of times on the podcast. Um, mm. What? I suppose what what is it that makes you want to stick with him like because i think at the start there was like a you know we must bet this guy before he comes yeah. down in price um 
now he's coming down in price is it still the same because you still think he can be a 25 to 33 to 1 regular at some point and I still yeah oh for certain yeah I, I mean I wasn't alone at the start of the year Jason was going on about him I think you might have mentioned as well yep. like I thought he'd take to this level like a duck to water like because of his he had such an excellent year on the challenge tour but yeah it doesn't always go like that um it's just he's got bags of ability like, I mean he's shown it in moments this year like he had that eighth and thirteenth on the in the PGA tour and the DP World Tour co sanctioned events in America. Yeah. Fourth in Northern Ireland and eighth at home at the Maiden Himalayas. Um so there has been flashes, but he's never really looked like winning, has he? Um, um and after missing the cut at Wentworth, he's had about a month off. Um, I think it's sort of at work on his game. Um and last week at the Dunhill Links he came back, but he did miss the cut and it wasn't Great. There weren't really a lot to sort of look in there and say, wow. Um, but he is targeting a, a really strong finish to the year. Um, and I'm just hoping that he's just shaken off a bit of competitive thrust there. Uh, might not have been a good, uh, you know, might not be used to playing in that sort of relaxed format, etc. Um, so I don't mind that he missed a cut or missed a cut there. Um, he did finish with his best round of the week, 70. Um, and as I'm saying with um, Yannick Paul, he's another player who actually got an even better record, not at this level, um, but on Challenge Tour and Nordic League level um, in Spain. Hmm. He's had four top tens and two wins on the Nordic Golf League, uh, a win and a runners-up on the Challenge Tour. Um, he's had two appearances on the DP World Tour, um, but he's missed both cuts. I think he finished like 60th in one of them. Um, but yeah, I think this course might suit him a little bit better. It's, uh, it's important to score in the par fives, got a lot this great ball striker um and with his distance he'll be able to take advantage um so yeah i'm also feel like he might be inspired by his good friend norgard muller's uh performance last week because he was in contention to win um yeah as we've said before big ceiling just having a big finish to the year hopefully so i thought i had to chance him yeah and when you look at his form right so like he was 43rd at the kazoo open but he was actually 11th at the 54 hole stage he was obviously fourth at the ISPS Hander, 29th at Crans, which we've, we've kind of spoken about could be a little bit of a nod to this. Um, shot 65, mm-hmm. 66 middle rounds there. Finishes eighth at Maiden Himaland, but was second after round one and fourth after round two and had to kind of deal with that pressure. And it's interesting, this kind of Dunhill Links, BMW, Italian Open kind of run, right? That, like, you almost, like, if, if someone has a really good stretch in that round, like, in that sort of stretch... That didn't make sense. But if someone's in form during those three events, right, you would take it a lot from it. You would possibly see them go over to PJ Tour and take something from it. You could possibly um, see them sort of headline a field like this. But if someone struggles, I wouldn't completely discount it. Like if someone's off the planet with their driver or, or whatever, then fine. But they're quite unique tests. Like Wentworth's a difficult test. You see some of the best players in the world miss cuts there on any given week. Um any given year, sorry. Dunhill links, you know, you've got the really bad weather. Some people don't like links golf. Some people don't like rain. <laughs> like some of them don't see mm. rain for basically their whole life and then get shoved into that. So it it's one of those ones where like, I could almost discount that. So the fact that it, his two miscuts have come in that and they've come kind of a month apart and they come after a run where he was kind of playing well but not putting four Everywhere. rounds together. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. I still don't know if we... It's, you know, the bookies are taking less risk with him and just putting him in prices to try and get people not to take him. And he should be kind of like an 80-to-1 shot. I can't really work out, but mm-hmm. 
certainly an interesting case study to see where he goes from here. I think it's, um, yeah, definitely a player to keep an eye on, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Next up for me was JB Hansen. Um, Jason, I know you've kind of spoken about him quite a lot recently in the sense of like, where has he been? What's he doing? Um, obviously, won twice on the Challenge Tour in 2018. He then lost in the playoff as well. So, conceivably, won three times that year. And we kind of expected him to kick on. It took a while. Uh, then wins at the Joburg Open in 2020, which we like based on what we've been saying about altitude and that little buzzword. Um, followed up with an impressive win in Dubai last year. Maybe a little bit fortunate with, with the others involved there in the hunt. But we kind of expected him to really kick on in 2022. Like, he looked like he was a player that. You know, he's won in back-to-back years. He's kind of starting to fulfil his potential. Great ball striker. He's made like 11 of 23 cuts and just one top 10. So it's been really disappointing. But last four weeks, 14th at Kranz, 13th in France. His only top 10 coming at the Stein City Championship, which is you know sits between Johannesburg and Pretoria, so probably gets played at you know the altitude that we like. Um, the 14th for Kranz was one of his better finishes in a long time. So just those two things and, and the elevation stuff, then the fact that he's finished 4th and 24th here in two starts, I just think that JB Hansen, despite the fact that his ball striking is not all the way back yet, uh, there has been some signs. I just think, Jason, that the, the price is he's probably still worth chancing at 70-1. to 1. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to make of him. He's a bit like my other selection, to be honest with you. I just <laughs> don't know. What are they going to do from one to the next? But I'm interested in, in, in long drivers around here. I think if they can get a bit of confidence going, um, then this is definitely a course they can, they can profit on. And as you say, um, you know, you both make a great point. I mean, Ellie killed again, his ceiling is whatever. Um, and then you go down to, to JB Hansen, who was bigger earlier on, obviously been tipped up. Um, we know he's better. A bit like Giza, I'm going to put up soon. Mm-hmm. We know he's better. It's just. Uh, is flashes and it, it's just them I think putting in a decent first round um, where they get confidence in their game because we know that they're good enough difficult I, I, I'd say I found this really difficult this this um, this event is purely based on price and why not I mean yeah. Wilco Nineaber for example was high up but um, I just, just see him ending up in the trees too much that's, that's mm. the problem I could just see him having I've probably said this a lot recently but like, I can see him having the lowest round of the day and then the highest round of the day yeah. like He's I'm not sure up. he's ready to win yet, personally. I don't think he's got the... I know he's got the ability. I really rate him highly, but I just don't think it's all there. You know, it's just like... Doesn't, can't, doesn't I can't sh- see him doing it over four days. doesn't strike me as someone that has the finesse to, well, like, to win. Yeah, no. that's the issue. That's the issue, isn't it? He, he, hmm. it's, it's a matter of when they come away from the fact that everybody's really impressed with how long they're hitting it, which hmm. I think is what Nine Neighbours probably been in his first couple of years on tour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got to come away from that. Um, but yeah, they've got to be careful because there's loads coming up, so um, they get left mm-hmm. behind. I think I think just like with like nine over, like he'll have like some of his playing partners, like he'll outscore them sometimes because they're just amazed by the fact that he hits it 350, 360 yards and just get caught up in it. Whereas like like you say, like when it comes down to the ball of it and winning on a Sunday, like the people that are playing well don't care what he's been doing for the three days where yeah. he's been bashing the ball for. But there's always there's always a long drive championship if, um, if this gets too much. <laughs> yeah, he'd have some, some stiff competition in that. Um, I'm going to have one. Uh, is it Beauregard your next selection? It is, yeah. Yeah. Go on then. Oh, sorry. I thought you said that in the light. Oh, God, is it Beauregard? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because well, I, I did be honest, we, 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 You know, Beauregard is impossible now. Yeah. I've got absolutely no idea what he's going to do, but quite instantly he looks 
he looked the wrong price to me for his obvious ability. He's very high up in driving distance. Oh, he's high enough up in par five performance. Um, I've just got, I, I have no idea what he's going to do. The eye catcher, well, there's a number of things. The eye catcher, obviously, it was 12th here last year. Um, and course form does repeat here quite a lot. Um, <coughs> the other thing with him is, and the other thing I think he can take a chance when he's a bit bigger, is he does it from nowhere. So Paul yeah. scores tied second after miscut and 45th. His second in uh, France was after two miscuts. Third at the Kazoo was miscut 59. His 12th here last year was after well, best of 35th, cut the miscuts and, and some crappy performances. Um, I've no idea what he's going to do, but there's something there because he liked it. He came here last year, did a job, um, and I'm hoping. I think we called him. I can't even remember where we called him right. Um, we, 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 I liked him at the. He played well at the hander, and we didn't have stats from it. So I put him up the next week, hoping that he did the ball well and he did okay. And then I think you put him up at Portugal, and it, he, might, it was, it was top it? three, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so again, that again, that was based. I think it was 100. That yeah. was based on the fact that I just think he's too big for his talent. Um, and as I can't back Master Schneider because he's not playing, I can't back the Murbaster because he's not playing. Um, <laughs> I'm running short of selections. And uh, uh, the other one was Pablo to look at. Um, yeah. To be honest, I think he'll go very, very well this week. Um, mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it. So Biergaard uh, got the um, got the vote to turn up again. But nobody knows whether he will or not. But you know, I'll take the chance at the price. I think I think he's one of those one like I think he's priced because no one knows what, like how he's going to do either. Like he's six six to one in some places, hundreds in others, eighties. Like people don't really want to take don't don't want to be. I mean, Unibet have got a hundred to one compared to some of the sixty sixes. Like they're taking a bit of a chance on him, but like. Generally speaking, I don't think people want to like. They still think he can come back and do it. We've seen it multiple times recently with you know ultra talented players that they do come back. He was very very good for for a decent period of time. Um, kind of reminds me of like Perez and people like that. Like they they just have that extra gear that when they're in a flow they get going and um, can be you know have the potential to be good enough at the next level, but just don't get there for consistency reasons. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. Like you, I, I don't really know whether he can do it or not for four rounds. I think he, he can definitely play well for 36 holes and see where he goes from there. Um, then the, the next two for me were a bit speculative. They're not as big as you would want them to be when they're, they're speculative and not too much about them. Well, it's three, should I say. Um, first one, Daniel Van Tonder. Um, just talking about players that can absolutely mash it and you know South Africans and got a bit of a touch around the green. Uh, Daniel Van Tonder fits that. Uh, there wasn't too much else. Obviously, there was some eye-catching um, ball striking recently where he was first in tee screen last week um, and sixth in approach. So that obviously helps, but it is on links, so it's a completely different kind of test to what we're going to get this week. But I do just think if there's something in that altitude and he's you know very comfortable in South Africa and things like that, um, I think he could go well. So he's one. Uh, Marcel Seam was another one um, who... Very much a veteran presence at this place. But, you know, last four made cuts. He's ranked 8th, 18th, 8th and 29th in Tees Green. 9th, 21st, 15th and 20th in Strokes Gain Approach. So ultimately, he's 7th in both, or top 7 in both categories right now, which is massive for someone of, you know, an experienced winner and someone in this field that, you know, has an edge on quite a lot of it. He's won the Dunhill Championship in South Africa at Houghton Golf Club in Johannesburg. He's finished second at Crans, so he's shown that liking to altitude. Um... Top 10 multiple times in Spain in the past. Two starts at his golf course. He's finished 43rd and 63rd. 
but on both occasions he was actually positioned to do a lot better. So back in 2005 he was 14th at the halfway stage, um, and then he shot 70-71, so really plummet. Um, 2019 he was third after day one and sixth at the halfway, and then just I don't know if it's a bit of you know competitive rust or just just had a bad couple of rounds, but he just fell away to 63rd. Um, and they weren't even you know really shocking you know rounds. They were just it was just is what it is. Got away from him and that was it. But now he's kind of got that ball striking back. He's got a bit of confidence back. We saw it earlier in the year. He sort of was talking about his game, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And he's been there a few times. He's, he's not had the results to go along with it, but three rounds of four or two rounds out of four, he's looked good. So I think it's worth chancing someone of his veteran presence. And then the final one for me to sort of summarise the event, uh, Alejandro Canizares. Now, if we want someone that's notoriously difficult to predict, he's one of them. Um but we, we want a Spaniard in there, and I think he's worth having a go. Like, he has a one top 10 all season, and that was at Crand, which, you know, was only a few starts ago. Is that kind of altitude thing all over again? That adds to fourth and ninth place finishes he's already had there in the past. And while his two wins are coming Morocco and Russia, um, he's had three runner up finishes, I think, um, in Spain, I think in Mallorca, yeah. the Open de Madrid, and this event as well back in 2012. Uh, he's posted another third place finish in this event, and he's also third in South Africa at the um, Nedbank Challenge as well. So, those kind of two crossover things, really, really good. You look at 2019, the first four on the leaderboard were all Spanish, and uh, Sergio Garcia was seventh, so they kind of dominated that leaderboard. 2021, obviously, we've already touched upon the fact that Rafa beat Adrian Alves in the playoffs, so you do really want one. Um, mm-hmm. And given that recent result of Kranz, um, 17th here in 2019 after a slow start. And just last week, he was first in strokes game approach and 16th to tease Greenbread. Like, I just think there's enough to just, chance him. The there's so on. much there. Yeah. yeah, there's so much there. He hit the ball really well. And yeah, he's, he flashes, doesn't he? Like, So you just don't know what you're going to get from him. But at the price, if he misses the cut, you're like, it's whatever, you know? Yeah, it, I think it was Wentworth where he's had some decent form in the past and we got caught up in this because he had a ball striking week and he was like 400 to 1 or something. But mm. 175 to 1, 200 to 1 on home soil. That, of course, he's played well out in the past. In events that he's played well in in the past. I just, uh, I quite liked him. So yeah, like he's it. there um, at 175 to 1. I think that was probably me, like, that... You know, for me, I did look at like Paratore comes up an awful lot of crans, but didn't really have too much confidence in him. Um, you've got Spaniards like Sebastian Garcia, Rodriguez, Alvaro Quiros in that price range as well. Um, Jason, though, you sort of mentioned Alfredo Garcia Heredia, I think it was earlier that you mentioned. Yeah, I think, uh, one, of, I think one of them will go. Garcia, Federico, uh, or Sergio, um, or the other Sergio, if you like, who does look between Pablo and Sergio. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of them, but they're Spanish, aren't they? They, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're hilarious to watch sometimes. Um, I've no idea, but I think one of them will go well. Yeah, yep. yeah. Garcia Rodriguez does like does like it here. And, uh, anyway, they all do. So one of them yeah. is going to one of them will be placed. And we just got to find out which one it is. But yeah, let's go into the Shriners then. Um, maybe a little bit more straightforward. I think uh, I've tried to kind of get away from the obvious, but it was difficult too. Uh, Patrick Cantley 15 to 2, Sung J Im uh, 14 to 1, Max Homer 18 to 1, Tom Kim 25 to 1, Aaron Wise 28 to 1, Taylor Montgomery 33 to 1. Um, Brad, I will start with you on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
found it very hard to ignore the trio of Homer, him, and um, Cantley. I, I thought you, you probably will want to take one. Um, just think. Yeah, I, I just I just thought that you know, like Patrick Cantley is what is he first, second, and second here. Um, and yeah, it's just of course. Ridiculous. Yeah, go with um, that. He's like three times the price of John Rahm, the favourite in his event. Um, mm. Sung GM, I thought, was, you know, he's playing really, really well. And, and Homer, um, interestingly enough, like, I don't th- I don't know if there's anything in this, but, like, when you think about the Shriners, like, it's obviously just a birdie fest, right? But there has been some crossover of, like, the Memorial Tournament. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Patrick Cantley and Bryson have both won that. Kevin Nars finished second there and, and won this. Um Matt Kuchar's a winner and a runner-up at Memorial, runner-up here. And that was kind of what led me to, to one of my other picks. And you look at Max Heimer, he's played really, really well in that Memorial event. Um, fourth there, fifth there last year, uh, sixth the year before that. Like, a player of his quality. I know that the course form isn't there. He's had, like, four miscuts, I think. But, like, yeah, I just I just think he's the type of player now that does kind President of... Cup hangover, maybe? Yeah, maybe, but I suppose it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, and like, a couple of weeks, yeah. You definitely wouldn't have fancied him last week, and if I'd known that JT Poston was on his bloody stag do or whatever it was that he was on last week, I wouldn't have picked him up either. But oh, really? um, like, I, I just think that one of those three is obviously going to be placed, and mm. oh, yeah. any of them are uh, you know decent enough value to do that. Um, so I, I did find it hard to get away, but... I think you sort of start your card with Taylor Montgomery. I did, yeah. I also I looked at Tom Kim. I did avoid them three, you were saying, uh, just because I quite liked a few up below them, um, mm. just for a bit value-wise. Um, obviously, Tom Kim's been awesome. Um, continues to get better. Really tough to leave him out. Aaron Wise coming off like a good FedEx Cup, um, his home course. You know, he, this is TP Summerlin is his course. Um, so I thought 28's tempting, uh, but yeah, I just went for uh, Taylor Montgomery, the home game narrative. Um, so as well as living and growing up there, he also went to university in Las Vegas. Um, TP Summerlin, it's a popular area, loads of pros play and call at home. So without any actual proof, even like looking and uh, all on the web, I, I couldn't find anything, uh, but I'm pretty certain he'll be familiar with the course. Um, most importantly, he's just playing brilliant at the moment. Um, he looks to have adapted to PGA Tour life already. Uh, since securing his card, he's had uh, finished third at the Fortinet, tied ninth last week at Sanderson Farms. And what's even more impressive is he hasn't finished outside the top 10 in his last six starts. So that's including the Corn Ferry Tour hmm. finals and a couple of events before that. Um, so it's just brilliant form. Um, and you're going to have to make loads of birdies here. Like birdie average is something I looked at. Um, and he's got that in abundance. He ranked first on the Corn Ferry Tour for birdie average. Tenth this year on the PGA Tour. Um, ranked eighth in ball striking last week. And he continued to have a hot putter. I think he's ranked uh, second in putting this year. Um, and I'm just hoping he can carry it over this week. It's going to be a big week for him. He'll have huge support behind the ropes. And just with the way he's been playing, I fully expect him to be up amongst the leaders come the end of the tournament. I don't think it's any like uh, I'm not sitting here saying that you know highlighted anything like amazing, but like we've been talking about Taylor Montgomery for yeah the last two events, the, haven't we? The, the, the whole time really, like even I think before the the Cornfury Tour comes to an end, I was sort of saying I'm looking forward to back in Taylor Montgomery on on the mm. PJ Tour, and it's because 
part of the process of looking at like potential guests for the podcast and, and all that sort of stuff is to see who is the most consistent on the Corn Ferry Tour and, and, and how they're going to adapt, right? And Taylor Montgomery, to me, looked the most like Will Zalatoris in terms of like consistency, in terms mm-hmm. of just like he was just there all the time, hadn't won yet, but looked pretty, you know, likely to break through. Um, my only concern with him at the start of these kind of first three events was that he wasn't going to get any shorter in the betting than he is now. Um, he has done already, so... It's now a case of are we taking him now while he's hot and and hoping he wins at twenty eight to one, thirty three to one, whatever, um, because he might be that price again for the next five or six events if he wins, mm-hmm. or do we hope he misses a couple of cuts and goes out to sixty six to one and, and just brings it back? It's it's it's, oh, it's a hard thing to rely exactly. on. Exactly. I mean, we discussed that, didn't it? Exactly that yeah. last week and the week before, and I think it's only this week, given the fact that it's going to be a bigger week for him, he's going to feel more comfortable at home. Um, now I'm willing to buy into it, yeah. you know. So and that's the reason why I'm willing to go uh, on him at 33s this week. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh, absolutely get it completely. I couldn't really uh, argue with it. If I didn't see Grillo like literally shit his pants on Sunday, um, I probably would he have did gone it well him. though. Did you see that cheeky little fist pump? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. But uh, yeah, he but probably should, really, do, uh, made <laughs> sure. should do a better job of just getting the ball in the hole rather than being funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I like Rilo. I really hope he, he finds that win again. But um, yeah. yeah, not for me. But Jace, Tom Kim for you, um, I think is, is pretty much a nailed on selection, is it not? Yeah, we don't have the time to go through by reasons, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but there are many. Um, obviously, you know, um, in fact, you were, you were mentioning him before he even really done anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were mentioning him on last year's efforts, obviously, what he's done coming through from the Asian development, through Korean tour, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera taking his chance when he's got um, exemptions on or, or invites on the PGA Tour. Um, even if you just go back to his initial uh, appearances, uh, missed the cut of the PGA, which is a massive um, introduction, if you like. Uh, but he was 48th after the first round at the Safeway when he was 67th. He was 11th after the first round. Corrales, he finished 33rd. He was 24th going into Sunday. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Except for yourself. Um, but what really, really done it for me was his three best efforts this year. Um He's third in the Scottish Open, which is, um, quite frankly, an incredible effort. Um, in fourth, you've got Patrick Cantley, who you've already said has got a terrific uh, record around here. He's winning his seconds. Cantley's also won the uh, Rocky Mortgage Classic, and I think in second um, <coughs> at the Rocky Mortgage. Um, in sixth was uh, Cameron Triangle. Um, he was top five at the Rocky Mortgage, which uh, was won by Tony Feenhow, who also won the 3M Championship. Matt Wolfe has won both and come second. Um, uh, uh, Fino's got the second at the Charles Schwab behind Kevin Nahr. Kevin Nahr's got a fantastic record here. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And and there are, I might write it up later on the uh, Victor <laughs> thing, uh, but it, it really does go on. The Wyndham obviously fits beautifully with Sanjay Im, as does the Matt Wolf victory um, at 3M. Is um, Phoenix top 10? Is Charles Schwab top 10 works? Webb's obviously won both the Wyndham and round here. Nahr's been second behind Webb at the Wyndham. Um, and, and to top it all that, we've got all this, uh, and there's plenty more. And of course, um, Kevin Nahr, I think this is right, correct if I'm wrong. Kevin Nahr won the Volvo Asian Masters at the Thai Country Club in 2002. Uh, Tom Kim was basically naive in 2019 still, and he was sixth at the Thailand Open, which uh, took place there. He's improving. 
he hit 61 at Wyndham. He can shoot low. He was impressive everywhere he's been. His President's Cup efforts where he beat Scotty Scheffler absolutely hands down. Um, this kid's going to be top five in the world within a year. Um, I'm on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, like, I, I really like him. Like, I, I know we sort of discussed what his price was going to be and sort of said 20 to 1, and, and there he is. Um, it, it's a tough one because, like, I think even like back at like the Saudi International, I think he was like 50 or 66 to 1 or whatever back mm. in February, and we were yeah. like, oh, like, are we just buying into this hype too early? Still went with him, he didn't quite do it, but it was like, now you look at it and think, like, he was 66-1 for a DP World Tour event that had a limited field. That's pretty amazing. And it's less than a year ago. Like, he is class. Like, there is no doubt in it. Um, I really do like him. You look at think, kind of the, that was the Sun GM and that had done well here in the past. I think that helps. Sorry, Tom. I think, yeah, like you, you say, you've got the likes of Taylor Montgomery. We've got the Davis Rileys. Uh, so Heath Gala went off 20-1 last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, failed. But I think he'll go off 20-1 for, for the same events for as long as possible. He'll win soon. And yet this bloke's actually won the Wyndham by five shots and come third in the Scottish Open. It's different yeah. grade. It's absolutely mm. different grade gear to these ones so far. Um, and yet he's the same price. So whilst he looks short, he's not in comparison. And he hasn't, and he hasn't done it. like He hasn't had the same, um, you know, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The apprenticeship, if you like, of coming through with the, the Corn Ferry. Yeah. I mean, like he's come exactly. from the Asian tour, Brad, and, and just... You know, taking his chances and done really well. Like it's That's it's it. huge. It is. It really is impressive what he's doing. Um, oh, it's different class. Yeah, hope, and hope, he, hope he it carries on. One, yeah, and no, I really do as well because he's an easy guy to root for, isn't he? You just yeah. how much he bought into the President's Cup shows it all. Um, well, like just the way he played there. Do you know what I mean, like oh, that, God, that's a huge what he is about. platform, isn't it? And like, okay, it's in a losing effort, and realistically, despite how close they sort of suggested he might have got, like he didn't really, but. You, you you see how he just fitted into it naturally, like he's been doing it for ten years. Like I think that he's was, just built different, you know. Like he's, he's just he what he's what separates him from a lot majority of the other players um, professionally is that he's got character and he's got self belief, and he will never let his ability drop based off where he is on a leaderboard. You know, he's mm. focused, he's zoned in all the time, and he's just a brilliant brilliant player. Yeah, no, I like it. So yeah, we you get the two big thumbs up for uh, for Tom Kim there, Jace. Um, we know what's going to happen, don't we? <laughs> yeah, of course we do. Um, but just going back to that kind of memorial link as well, like Aaron Wise, uh, I think you mentioned Brad that he's obviously yeah, a member very here. Very close and, to him. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the fact that he's got tenth, fifteenth, eighth place finishes here, but again at the memorial, second uh, to Billy Horshaw this year. Uh, top 10, ninth place finish there uh, last year. So I do think there's something in that um, memorial mm. form. Uh, I won't let it make me go on Jimmy Walker again because that didn't end the way that I hoped it would. Um, but it, there, there just seems to be something in that. So if you can find anyone in that in those memorial leaderboards, I'd certainly put it. There's nothing really necessarily about the golf courses, but I just think it's an examination of Tita no. Green. It's you might get some higher quality players in this. And it, it might just be that, you know, Patrick Cantlay, Bryson, Matt Kuchar, Ricky, all those people that fit the bill in both courses were just the better players in this field at the time. Like, it can be just as simple as that, and we don't need to look too much into it. But um, just worth a, a second look. JT Poston I thought I'd look at just because I was on him at 28-1. to 1. He then went on Stag Do, was really shit, and now he's 50-1. to 1. Um, And... He, he shouldn't be as shit as he was last time. Like, he's been fourth here in the past and he's been 27th either side of, like, four miscuts. But 
do think he's a really quality player. Uh, we know he can make birdies in bunches. Uh, the altitude means that he plays shorter, which obviously helps him. Um, didn't get there in the end because I really do like Ricky Fowler. And this is all basically just down to the fact that he's with Butch Harbin. Like I can I can put any other thing towards it and say it's why I like it, but it's down to the fact that he's working with Butch Harbin. And should we be putting that much stock into you know a, a really old golf instructor? Yes, because immediately it seems it's paid off. Um, sick straight away at the Fortinet this season. Uh, we've seen it in the past that people try to get away from these instructors and uh, try and get a second opinion, and it just goes wrong. Like it just happens constantly. Um, and that's not to say that that's the only reason that it went wrong for Ricky. I think there's a myriad of reasons that it could have done, but it did, and, and now he's gone back. He's sort of swallowed his pride and, and gone back to it and, and looks good. Um, seventh on debut here. Peaked with a fourth-place finish in 2018. Two more top 25s. He did miss the cut in the last two years, but he was greatly struggling with his game. Still managed to shoot 67 and a 66 in those missed cut efforts. You look at those recent winners, Patrick Cantney, Bryson, both won at Memorial. Ricky Fowler, two runners up at Memorial. Kevin Nars second there. I do just like that for, for whatever reason. Again, could just be coincidental, but I think with someone that has the ability to have a really good T-degree game, can get the ball rolling... Uh, on these greens, likes this part of the world as well. It's part of the country. Um, really like Ricky Fowler. And, and Jason, I think you like him as well. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's well worth taking a chance. We've seen change of caddies do mm-hmm. wonders for people. Um, and we saw it with uh, Scotty Sheffer, for example, yep. massively. Um, yeah, I, I actually agree with you. Yeah, he's won Phoenix twice, won Honda twice. That looks in with um, like Sanjay Ims and, and, you know, his books kept form and stuff like that. Like you say, second at Memorial, one, yeah, he's. He's changed the caddy now. Um, yeah. So change the coach, change the caddy, completely new team. It gives a suggestion that he, you know, having had the live um, uh, uh, invitation maybe hanging over his head, yeah. that sort of lets us know that he really does want to get back to golf. Um, I think it was at Southwind where he was in contention, hit a nine on the 18th, um, which took him out completely. So his result was actually better than it looked. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, greens in reg at Fortinet. You know, he was he was he was uh, led that uh, 25th approach, eight seat of green. Of course, he likes he it, it's just his putting. He said in an interview that I can't find now. He said in the interview his only his only issue is his putting. He got Butch. I, I, I'm not a fan of Butch Harmon. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, the stats are there. He's proven himself. He'll go to Butch and say my problem is the putting. Thoughts the putting out. Confidence with his irons. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's he's potentially miles better than his price now. Yeah, it's interesting because he's actually got rid of Joe Scover and and his caddy is now the tour operations manager of Puma Golf, which I think we've seen a couple of times now that players have gone with like the manufacturer's um, kind of like operations manager or whatever. And I always think it's a bit of a weird move. Like, is it is it a sponsorship thing? Is it whatever? But it might also just be that they kind of know their games inside and out, know who they are, and what, spent a lot of time with them, trust them. Um, I, I've trying to give up trying to second guess kind of caddy moves now. Um, mm. The the biggest one in the world is is Rory McIlroy and whether Harry Diamond is the best caddy for him. But I just don't think you'll ever answer that. You can never tell whether he's uh, better with him or, or whatever. So I think I think for me, like ultimately, he's he's making wholesale changes, and if they work, then he's going to be twenty eight to one, thirty three to one foot. Uh- the rest of the season. Who was it that that, that said that it was just uh, it was a couple of weeks ago or two three weeks ago? He said it, it's just the relationship as you know. It's they're just Soros, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. it was. They're, they're just with each other all the time. And it just becomes, you know, it's like a bloody marriage, isn't it? Don't do it, yeah. Tom. Or Brad. Um, <laughs> right? Um, it, it's like you're with the same person all the time. And it just, in the end, it's not maybe nothing wrong. It just needs a change. It needs a yep. rethink. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you anyway. I think I think Fowler will go very well this week. Yep, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I looked in this range as well, and I, I, I wonder whether Dietrich could raise his game. I've, I've decided no. Uh, Lucas Herbert, I thought was interesting. The way yeah, I, I looked at Herbert as well. Just the way he's been playing, mate, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. I, do, I, I wonder whether the scoring might get a little bit away from him, which ultimately yeah, is why I left him and Kitty Armour away. Might, might suit it a bit tougher conditions. Yeah. No, I, th- I think he wants a tougher event, like a BMW and stuff like that. Like, all his best form seems to do that. Um, but before I move on, Chase, are you, are you going with Burmester in this event? He's on the cusp. I don't know. I can't believe I'm back in Burmester to win a PJ Tour event, yeah. having been let down 100,000 times. Nearly <laughs> got it done last week. But I'll tell you what, he, he's he's playing extremely well. Class, you know, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, his form at the moment is as good as anything he's done, really. Beside, you know, even some of his wins in lower class, yeah, he's flying. Um, it's, I'm not sure. I mean, you say you look at it and you go, Well, Bryson's one round here, um, you know, and he and firmest he could. He's it's just something about him. I don't know whether the PJ Tour has made him a bit more confident on greens. Um, it seems to have done, judged on last week, anyway. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd like to, I'd like to be on him when he wins the PJ Tour, yeah, because uh, I don't think it'll happen again. Um, I don't know. Move on. Fair enough. Andrew Putnam for me. Um, he he's he's playing great golf right now. Like I think he's six cuts in a row, finishing no worse than tied forty third. That forty third came at the Fortinet, but he improved straight away at the Sands and Farms, finishing thirtieth. He was third after day one, fifteenth going into the final day. Um, Friday and Sunday weren't good enough for him to compete at the top, and that's pretty much been his mo for a little while. And and even here, but four or five made cuts here. Uh, his 11th place finished last year, the pick of the bunch, improved round on round mm. through the first three days, sat third going into the last day and two strokes back, um, but just couldn't perform on Sunday. And that's not, he's not the only one to do that. He's, you know, he, he is that type of player. And then you go back to his debut and he was the 36th hole leader here as well. So he's been 36th hole leader and someone within two shots of the lead going into the final round last year. Um, really just like Andrew Putnam. I think he's, he's ball striking really well. Uh, in good form, and I think I will probably stick with him because I think he is coming. Um, so that was my short piece on Andrew Putnam. We are going to pick up the pace here a little bit just because we've got um, another show to get to. But I looked at Martin Laird just because he's 100 to 1, he's won twice and could win a third time. Um, not sure there's anything else much to it other than his course form. Uh, James Hahn for me, decent record here, 5th, 15th, and 28th, ranks 9th and 2nd in his last two in strokes gain approach. Uh, he's won on the West Coast, <clears throat> finished 61st at the FedEx St. Jude two starts ago, but he was 8th after round 1, 17th for the halfway. Um, and he's basically exactly the same position at the Fortinet through 36 holes, where he was 16th after two rounds, and then finished 51st. So if he can capitalise on those strong irons on a course that he likes, um, and we know he can kind of win, uh, James Harm for me at anything like 161, mm-hmm. decent enough for an event like this. Brad, I'll let you lead off why you and Jason both like Hayden Buckley, who I must admit was on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Well, similar fashion to Montgomery, got off to a really good start uh, to life on the PGA Tour last year. He finished fourth at the Sands and Farms, eighth here at the Shriners, um, and since then he hasn't registered any top tens. A few top 20s, 
including the tied 14th at the US Open, but it's been pretty disappointing after a really good start. Um, and last week, he showed a bit. He, after three rounds in the 70s, he shot 65 in the final round to finish tied 19th. Um, in that final round alone, he ranked third, tee to green, and second in approach. As we know, Buckley's biggest weapon has always been his ball striking. Always ranked out on the top of the Corn Ferry Tour on a few occasions last year on the PGA Tour in that regard. And uh, that final round has just given me enough belief that it might be returning. If you can build on that final round, sort of bring it over to this week, he'll give himself loads of birdie opportunities and just got to hope he can convert some of them. And, uh, yeah, I think he's worth chancing the triple digits. He's played well here in the past, so let's give it a go. Yeah, 66, 71, 67, 63 on his course debut last year. The 63 mm-hmm. sort of replicating what he did last week with a low final round. 66 and 67 shows what he can do in the 71 probably just shows what he can do in the fact that he's just struggled to put the four rounds together so far um which isn't you know a, a massive surprise when you're someone that's still trying to find your way right um yep. so that's my thoughts and Brad's thoughts on hayden buckley jason anything else for you to add no I beat taylor montgomery in a playoff when he won in the corn ferry tour yep. but now he's playing well Peter green in, in the similar sorts of field john deere uh barbara soul top 30 in the 3m and you know um Rocket Mortgage, I agree. Yeah, I think 125 did surprise me. I thought it was going to be closer to 80, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take the chance, certainly for a place, and I'll definitely put him up for a top 20. No, I like that completely. And then one for me, Brad, that I, I did think someone might go for. I didn't know if it would be you or not. Harry Hall. Um, yeah, I reckon Sky TV... will probably be on him as well. We're both yeah. big fans of him. TBC Summerlin. Is he a member here? Yeah, he's he just... a member. Yeah. I thought I was on him last year at 500 yeah. to 1. He placed yeah. at, I think he finished tied 8th in the end. He so did. it was yeah. a shared place. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of backing him on the fact he did so well for me last year and he's a member and I know from backing him on the Corn Ferry Tour that he doesn't necessarily need to be in form um, to sort of show up. He can just flash and uh, suddenly, I, I remember, if, let's have a look, it was uh, his, his win, his two wins um, on the Corn Ferry Tour, he were after a, a miscut and a tied 38th. So... And uh, I mean, even um, oh, one second. Finished third at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship last m- last month as well. That was after four crappy performances. Um, so yeah, he could be a tough one to get right. Um, I just think at the odds, there's a massive upside. Uh, I just didn't really hesitate to chance him again. Um, he's a player with a lot of promise, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be up for it again. Give him a lot of confidence. How he, well he played here last year, so. He might not get a better opportunity all year to break through, so let's uh, let's see. Yeah, no, I'll no, take no. a place. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think so. I think it's it's pretty much in front of you, isn't it? What you need to know about uh, Harry Hall. Um, Chris Gotterup has <laughs> gone to mm. two hundred to one now. All of a sudden, after being touching twenty eight to one in events, um, and Vincent Norman sitting there at two hundred seventy five to one, two hundred fifty to one uh, for someone who's a big hitter. I thought they were both worth kind of mention. Jace, any others that kind of come up on your watch? No, he go. I thought was reasonable yeah. interest. Um, you know, I don't know. What, I haven't had time to look into it. If there's any reason why he just suddenly bounced back to fantastic form last week, mm-hmm. um, and he hit 67 first round last year, so mm. uh, he wasn't that far off of making a weekend. Um, that, and, yeah, I mean, obviously top 20 at Memorial, which you like. Um, sorry, Brad. Good. No, I was going to say, Andy's another um, Las Vegas University grad with uh, Harry Hall and uh, Taylor Montgomery, so. 
Yeah, he was yeah. he was one again, and probably maybe just a top twenty rather than rather than uh, a win. But it's it's of interest to see you know yeah. the bounce back form from absolutely nothing because I think mm-hmm. I listened to the pod last week. I think you I can't remember you had top South African, but you were dismissing. Yeah, MJ Duff. Yeah. I thought, oh my god, he's going to win. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just just again of, of, of interest. Yeah, so I think he'll go in the top twenty list as well. Uh, but that was it really. Yeah, no, I think I think that was it for me really. I think it's a really a couple of really tough events. I think with the uh, Shriners you get some good value on some good players, whereas um, in in Europe you get some good value, but not necessarily on people you trust to win. So it's it's how you uh, how you approach it is is you know up to you um, ultimately. Even though we try and convince you otherwise, um, but let's go into our final selections then. So for the Open de España, I have got Thriston Lawrence, and he's still available at forty to one. JB Hansen 70 to 1, uh, Marcel Seam and Daniel Ventonda 100 to 1, and Alejandro Canazares at 175 to 1. Uh, Brad, your selections for me in the Open de España. Open de España, I've gone uh, Adrianas, um, win only, uh, 20 to 1. I think Unibet's the best price. Uh, I've gone Yannick Paul, I think 33 to 1, Paddy Power, seven places, the best price. And uh, Marcus Hellekilde, uh, sixty to one, six places, and that's with Sky. Yeah, I like those. And Chase, your picks for Open Dispenser, please. Uh, Duplessis and Biergaard, and I'm thinking about Yannick Paul. I've got to be convinced by Brad. He's on the yep. cusp, but do it, do it, do it. <laughs> no, I like it. I think I think it's one of those events where like it, it was really hard. I think apart from Thristen Lawrence for me, I found it hard to be maybe JB Hansen as well. Like to be really committed to, to everyone i like to the value on canazeras especially but mm. it, it does it does feel like an event where you're sort of hoping um for, for a result uh over to the shriners then really like ricky fowler uh, i do think that just going back to butch is the biggest move he's made and yes he's got rid of his caddy and maybe that helps uh in the long run uh, andrew putnam at 80 to 1 um martin laird i think he's worth looking at 100 to 1 just because of his course form and James Hahn at 161, striking the ball really well, um, has played here in the past. Uh, Brad, your selections for the Shriners? I've gone for Taylor Montgomery, 33 to 1. I think you can get up at Labrooks, eight places. Um, I've gone for Hayden Buckley, 125 to 1, eight places with Sky. And Harry Hall, 200 to 1, eight places with Sky. Yep, I like that. And Jace, your final sessions for the Shriners, please. Mate. Yeah, Buckley each way and uh, top 20. Garrick Higo, top 20. Ricky Fowler each way. And don't worry about the mortgage rates going up to 6, 10, 12, 15, 18, 25%. Because <laughs> you can back Tom Kim and buy your house in cash on Monday morning. <laughs> that is it. You can take the old Brink truck, I think that's what they call it in America, and just fill it out with cash because Tom Kim um, is, is going to ride home his train. Is it, that's what he's called, Tom, isn't it? Yeah, Tom Sink Engine. So, yeah, that's it. Tommy Tank. Tommy Tank, yeah. I don't know if we should probably say that. Um, <laughs> probably not. So we've had cocaine. <laughs> yeah, cocaine and... and, and, and building, uh, cocaine, yeah, Belgians and, and other stuff. And other stuff, yeah. We won't say the final word because even though it's an explicit ranking, it probably just sounds a bit odd. Um, but yeah, so ultimately that is our selections for both events. Uh, definitely got off course a couple of times here, but um, you know, really happy with the selections, really happy with the process on both. Um, gents, great to have you both back um, for the first time uh, in a little while as a three-man show, and uh, look forward to next week. Mm-hmm.